So let's see. Somebody was going to go and look at sites on coupons. Who was that? Was it JP? Okay. And it wasn't that part? or? <laughs> okay. Well, very good. How about personality ID? Donnie, how'd, how'd that turn out? And could, Sam, can you pull up, pull that up? And what we're going to do tonight is we're also going to show you a little bit about some websites out there, and there is actually one where you can take this personality ID. So Sam's going to kind of click through that, and you can see that. But go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you found. It does make a difference, is that right? So some people may be more disposed to save, some people might spend more. Not an inherently evil, maybe the way God made you, but you should be aware of that. Now here, here is actually where that is. This is all part of Crown Ministries and the website is crown, www.crown.org. Right Sam? Okay, that's it. Very simple. If you can't remember, it's on your money map. Now that one actually has a money map, but if you want to get to the main site, there it is. And that is the actual home page. And then as you click through, you're going to find these tools and so on. And there's actually an, I think there's an ID one right on that front page too, if I remember right. Yeah, right there, personality ID. So you want to get home and have some fun? Take it. How long did it take? No, five minutes, right? Yeah. Okay, and, and then it immediately prints that prints it out, and you found it pretty true? Oh, very good. That's always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, first point. So that's a piece of homework. ID, your, your personalities do matter. How do you figure it out? You can figure it out free and at this site. There's many other places where you can do it. But uh, I think both Donnie and I found it a pretty useful tool, and I would recommend it to you. And it's fun. Not bad at all. All right. Uh, let's see. How many years? Who looked up a number of years it takes to reduce a third? How, how many years will a 30-year mortgage be reduced by making an extra payment per year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The interest at the end of 30 years, the total amount you end up paying with interest is $455,000. You're not doing this with any notes? I'm impressed. I was very impressed. If you would make one extra payment of $1,250 a year, it would reduce it by $455,000. 
Okay, is that impressive? It is, isn't it? But in here, and here's a couple points to make. There's this thing called the time value of money. Okay? So, uh, and, and as long as that money's out there, you're paying interest. But the quicker you make payments on that principal, the less interest it requires. Okay? So it's very simple. Now, how do you do that? How do you make an extra payment? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. It says that you get paid, most people get paid two times a month. Yeah. Um, two times a year, you get a third paycheck. Yeah. And if you take those, that third paycheck for that those two months, put together, for most people, that's going to be enough for your paycheck. And you're exactly right. In other words, it's 52 weeks in a year, right? And you normally think four weeks a month. Right, but there's four more over the period of 12 months. That is like a 13th month not, but you can see what I'm saying. If every month was perfectly equal, there'd be a 13th month there. So in that, if you just allow it, if they take it every two weeks, your 13 payments will happen a year, and you're going to take five, six years off your mortgage. Very significant. But what it shows you is that by paying down that principal early, you're knocking the interest down, and you can reduce a loan much more quickly. Okay? And little bits make a big difference. You're paying $100 a month, and that's your principal, and you add $10 to it, and you would be amazed how much more quickly it knocks it down. Thanks. Great homework. Okay. Uh, any questions? See Benji. He knows it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> and where did you get that information? I, sorry, I, didn't, I can't remember the website. There's several. I went into okay. Mortgage Calculator. Yeah. Sites that came up right away. Sam, you know, there's calculators on this site too, right? Let's take a quick look here. And, and I'm doing this on purpose because I really want you to see some tools that are out there. Okay? Now, look at the, look at, see, as you go down there, there's budgeting calculators, credit card, debt calculators, home buying, mortgage, all kinds of things, all there. Um, do I know them all in detail? No, I've not used them all. But what I think you'll find is when you go in there, you'll find it's pretty easy. Put the, put the amounts in and you're going to get some guidance. Okay? And you don't have to go find some library book or whatever. It's all right here. Real convenient. And the nice thing about it is often they, they're couched in financial or biblical principles as well. So I like this site for that reason. There are other ways to find that information. Yes? I don't know if we'll get there, but yeah, it'd be a great place to move. All right, let's see. Someone was going to do the envelopes trial, and who was that? Yes, was, uh, KT. I, I was a good guinea pig because I'm very technologically impaired, but I could figure it out well. It takes some good setup time, but once it's set up, it seems like it would roll really smoothly. The only problem I ran into was the the bank that we used had a more elaborate like login procedure with security questions and stuff and envelopes hadn't yet adapted to that. So if you if you work with a bank that doesn't have that then they'll automatically upload your bank record and your credit card statement. And so they'll actually take money out of the the pots that you put it in automatically and then track how much you have left in your food pot and how much you have left right. in your now, you go back to the home page. Actually, you see, see right there that, that envelopes, that's, that's it right there. That is a free trial, right? right? 
And then pro I, how does it depend? Depends on your income, or what does it depend on? How much it costs per month? Okay. Like All right. Or you can buy monthly and it's like thirty dollars that you pay each month. But much more elaborate than just keeping your books. It actually interfaces and can electronically with different things that you do. So it'll keep your books while you're doing other stuff. Exactly. Okay, cool. Now JP, you tried something else, right? Um, mint.com. Uh-huh. Mint.com, M I N T. I went into envelopes as well and looked at that. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Great. Matthew, you had a comment? But Premier, I believe, was uh, in there. The problem with Premier is it's not, they are actually more advanced. Is that right? Is that your bank, Premier? Which one? DePaco. And I think Premier is the same, there, there's the same issue. They're sort of ahead of where Crown is right now. Now, I, wh a couple comments. Those are great tools, but don't let that discourage you, meaning you don't have to be a technological or computer whiz to make this stuff work. There's a whole lot of things you can do and you should do that. An awful lot of stubby paper, paper, pencil work if you want it to, and you'll make giant progress just doing that. Yes, KT. One thing uh, we discovered, Excel worksheet, if somebody among us knows how to really design an Excel worksheet, uh -huh. that can be a real help too. And okay. And someone who knows what they're doing, which I don't, can make it for you to type in a number and boom, it, it analyzes and starts. Yep. Great. Now, you may want to know where you got, I got some of those forms that I handed out. So let's take a look at that. Sam? You're going to go to forms download right there. See, see right here? Think. See where it says forms and download? There. And there they are. Lots of forms. The three that I got last week, I didn't design at home. <laughs> this is where I got them from. So they're available. The 30-day diary. Uh, there's some very helpful things that um, there's two or three different places within this site that will help you. Because tonight you're going to go, well, how much should I tithe? And how much should we have for rent? And how much is too much for a car? Well, these sites will help you get started. Now, I will tell you this, the bottom line is, is that your income needs to be more than your expenses, right? 
<laughs> That's the most basic formula in this whole thing. Okay? So you can, you can do all kinds of elaborate work, and if you've got more expenses than you have income, the answer is, you know, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it, but that's just the way it is, you know. Uh, or another way of saying it, you, you make 10000 a year, and you have $11,000 of bills. And what, what does that mean? Some's going to go on a credit card. Some bills you're going to choose not to pay. Whatever it is, but that's what's going to happen. Okay, the other side... And we talked about this last week. As the goal should be, it'd be very neat to say income minus expenses equals the Lord's work and watch that grow and grow and grow. Wouldn't that be cool? All right. And you could do that, see? And, and w what if you could get that up there to 40% is the Lord's work? And the reason why is because you don't have any debts and you now can devote that kind of money to the Lord's work. Just think of what that could mean if everybody was, well, even 10% would be huge, you know. But as you move in that direction, that's what we can do. By the way, what is the standard for giving in the New Testament? Ethan, you got some comments about that? Yeah, yeah sure, do it. Now, he, he did a whole series on this, and I said two minutes, okay? So if you want all the notes, see Ethan, and he'll give them to you. Or call, the, call his 1-800 number and you can get the download or whatever. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, well, um, as, as far as just looking at the New Testament, um, the, the key verse I was looking at uh, in conjunction with what Mark had prepared is 1 Corinthians 16, 2. And um, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about the collection of the saints in Jerusalem. And he was talking about kind of playing that out.
Okay, thank you very much. So, you know, I, you know, the New Testament standard is everything, right? That's really, that's the New Testament standard. New Testament doesn't teach tithing. Okay, is, it, is tithing a, a law concept? It is not. It predates the law. When, um, you remember the story of, of Melchizedek? How much did he give? Before the law, right? Okay, so there was always this concept of first fruits. New Testament is everything. 10%. It talks about a tithe there. Yeah. But um, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And um, so it is something that eclipses uh, the law. But here's what I would tell you. Isn't it a great place to start? <laughs> Most of us can't give all today. Can't do that. But 10% is a great place to start. And, and that would be my point. But understand, don't hide behind the 10% by any means. You know, if Christ died for us, what should we do for him? Romans 12.1. <laughs> and we know that verse, I think, those verses very well, you know. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, just the part, just the arm, the whole thing, okay? And that is our reasonable service. That's it. Reasonable, not gracious, not nothing like that. It's, that's it. And uh, I think that's so true, and that's just so fundamental. It's one of those key texts in my life when I, I think about what I need to do. Okay, so much for homework. Thank you, Ethan. But uh, I think that's an important one that we make sure we don't squeeze out. It's very important. Now, a couple more things. We asked you to use your, your money map. And on the back, there's this thing called My Purpose, My Life Goals, and Foundational Principles. How many of you did some work on that? That's very important, and here's why. You can, you can have a great uh, financial organization, but why are you doing it? <laughs> and your life purpose helps solidify what that's all about. What's my life? What's my ministry? What am I doing? Now, I would commend to you a book. Uh, people have criticized this. This is Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. It's an excellent book. Some have said... You know, he uses far too many translations. Well, maybe so. But at the same time, the content is very good. And uh, I would commend this to you because it will help you organize why do I live? What is my purpose in life? What should my ministry be? And those are questions that really predate the financial discussion or they underlie it. In other words, if you have a your life 
vision, mission, goals, and objectives and all that. Underneath that someplace is finances. Finances is one of the things that enable those other things to work. I want to be a missionary. If you want to be a missionary and that's what you want to serve, then is that consistent with $50,000 of consumer debt? Probably not. Okay? And if you know that's what you want to do, then it will help tie that together. And that's why don't just blow by this uh, my, my life purpose and my life goals. And if you want more information on how to do that, there's a few basic questions that are laid out here on the money map. But I would commend to you Rick Warren's book. Okay, uh, so that being said, <coughs> let's talk a little bit now about, um, about Destination One. How many of you, when you look at the money map, how many of you have completed Destination One? Destination One is savings of $1,000. And what's the second part of it? A spending plan, right? Okay, so Life and Angie, you're done. Okay, who else? Okay, great work. Okay, super. Okay, how many have gotten to step two? Destination two. What? Okay, destination two is pay off your credit cards and increase savings to one month's living expenses. Destination two. Angie and Life? Very good. Okay, good. All right, destination three is to pay off consumer debt. That's Beyond credit cards, that's autos and furniture and TVs or whatever else you got. Okay, and you increase your savings to three months. And the, that three months is generally in the, in the financial advising business, that's considered, that's what, that's what you need to have tucked away for emergencies, is three months. Okay, now that seems huge today. Don't bother, don't worry about that. It's step by step. Work towards that thousand. Then you work towards the next step. If you get too far ahead and you look at it, I'll never get there. Don't go that far, but I kind of want you to know where it's headed. Okay, step four is what? Help me out here. You're all, all looking at it. Okay, so step four is begin saving for major purchases. And the good point here is instead of buying with credit now, you're saving up to buy the things you need. So you know you need a washing machine and a dryer in a few years. And so you know you need this in about three years. And so you're putting away $20 every month. And you know you're going to have the right amount and you're going to buy it with cash. You're going to avoid the debt thing. You're going to get ahead of this thing. Okay? That's where we're going in step four. Step five, buy a home. Uh, and you'll see some, oh, don't take a mortgage. You don't see that here. Take a mortgage, be reasonable, buy right, and then plan to pay it off as quickly as you can. And that's a concept. Okay? Begin investing. Why are you investing? You're investing because someday you hope that your annuities, your investments, are going to pay so much that you're free to do the Lord's work. That's the concept. And it's pretty neat. Now, think about the other side. What happens? You work and you work and you work and you spend and you work and you work and you work and you work. And when do you get done? And you look around and what happens? People can't retire, right? They're stuck. They got these debts. The only way to keep going is to keep working. Then what happens if you get sick or you get disabled or whatever? big problems, right? Can't keep up. Okay, so while you're young, while you're able, you want to make sure you get beyond that so that doesn't happen. Then build up your investments so that they're going to pay off and they will allow you the freedom you need and you can spend more time in the Lord's work. Financial freedom. No longer 
you're no, no longer worried about buying this, paying this bill, doing this, doing this. It's now yours. Whose is it really? Talked about last week? Last week, two weeks ago? It's all the Lord's, isn't it? And that's a key concept too. And that's why those foundational principles on the back are so important. Go back and review them regularly. The day that it's yours and you're protecting your stuff, I guarantee that's the day you'll get a ding in your car. <laughs> it's going to happen, you know. And then, then if, you've, if you've already given it to the Lord, those possessions aren't there. You're not so troubled by them anymore. Now you can say, Lord, take care of these possessions of yours. Help me to be a good steward of your possessions and to use them to further your kingdom. And the whole concept changes about me owning it and taking care of my stuff. You also begin to think, why am I spending all this time taking care of my stuff? I got so much stuff. Taking care of this, I'm fixing that, this is broken, that, and so on, so on. You spend all your time just in your own little kingdom trying to, trying to keep up. Simplify your life. Okay. So we pay off our mortgage, and what happens in our final destination? Our retirement is funded. And now you've already, you know what, what I mean when I say that. There's enough income now coming in that you don't have to worry about that anymore, and you are free to do the Lord's work. Now, you don't not do the Lord's work all along, but you work to that point where you no longer have to depend on work. You don't have to pay your debts. They're all taken care of. What you have is yours, and you can spend your resources furthering the Lord's work. That is the plan, step by step. Uh, Angie and Life, tell us a little bit about your what, what happened. How much debt did you have when you were maxed out? Okay, and how much was that? Okay, 26, so fair amount. And how many years ago were you married? Two years. And what's your balance today? All right. I think they deserve a hand. Okay, I do. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Now, was it, was it because you uh, consciously made choices? You did, didn't you? Life, did you like all those choices? No. <laughs> okay. Now, looking back, though, does it make sense now? Yeah. If you would have just spent it, you'd still have the loans. And the pleasures would have long disappeared, would they have not? Okay, so you took a vacation, you did more Starbucks. And I don't think Starbucks is wrong. I just think you need to count the cost. Yes, sir. See life. See life. I didn't say it. Well, you're right, isn't it? And, and again, and this is a key concept when you budget, you need to think of the annual cost. Okay? If you think about, well, you know, Starbucks is only what, three bucks, four bucks? Well, that's just fine. But what if you do it every day? And you start multiplying it out, and the answer is these small amounts become very big amounts. And, and that's, a, that's a concept. Okay, now, keep the money map. Work the money map. Work the, you need to make sure you have a plan that starts. And that's why my life purpose is important. Is a life purpose something that magically happens in an hour and you're satisfied? And the answer is, I don't think so. It may take a long time, but it'll never happen unless you get started and really think it through. And ask the Lord to help you put that together. And that really becomes that, that sort of the principle, this is why I live. What Paul said what? What was one of his statements? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is that a purpose statement? It is. It says a whole lot, doesn't it? 
It says, while I'm living, I'm working to be conformed to Jesus Christ. I'm working to further what Jesus Christ wants. I'm working to further his kingdom. And when my time comes, I can't wait to go home to be with the Lord. Now, isn't that cool? That is a purpose statement. What is your purpose statement this evening? And what is that, if, if you, once you have that purpose statement, what does it mean for the way you operate your finances? And I would suggest that, that sometimes they're very disconnected because we've never really put it in that kind of a framework before. And that's why that's such a helpful thing. All right. Destination one, the key, key right there, we're going to start with the memory verse. And what's the memory verse? Everybody got it? Let's read it together. <laughs> the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So if you have some money, what are you going to do with it? You going to spend it? What's the wise man do? Yeah, okay. Now give me some examples of wise animals. What's the one that we often think of in Scripture? The ants. Little, what do they do? They save it, don't they? They store it up. They do, right. Yeah. Okay, what's the foolish man do? Look at, I got all this. Let's have a party. <laughs> and it's all gone. <laughs> and then, then it disappears. Right. So, I think no matter what you get, you ought to be thinking, what can I put away? And if you're disciplined like that all the time, you're going to get there. Now, initially, you're going to put it away towards reducing your debt. Then you're going to put it away to save and save for emergencies. And then you're going to put it away for your investments that ultimately pay off and allow you to do more of what, what we want to do, and that is to serve the Lord. Okay? So memory verse is important. There's five or six here. And, uh, but I think, again, I, I think that's a great memory verse to start with. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the first area, and uh, Sam, you can go back and you can pull up the tombstones, or what I call them, and you, know, you can see where we are. <coughs> right. Um, saving for emergencies. Uh, the average American um, is three weeks away from bankruptcy. You think that's true? Yeah, it is. Okay. And that's pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah. It means any kind of interruption at all, and they're in default. And, uh, but that's, what, that's, what it's, that's where we are. In 1984, Americans saved about 11%. Today, how much do you think they saved? Negative. Negative. Did you read the book? You did good. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It's negative. In fact, another way of saying it is that most Americans, the average is that uh, for every dollar they make, they spend a dollar ten. Isn't that scary? Okay, so now if you're not doing that, you're already doing much better. That's great, <laughs> okay? But there's a lot of Americans out there, and you know long-term, if you're spending a dollar ten for every dollar you make, that's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem, yeah? Okay, uh, savings. What is savings? Give me a concept for savings. Why do we save? Oh, okay, great. I like it. I like it. Anybody want to elaborate on that or offer another opinion? <laughs> Did everybody hear that? That the savings is the money that you set aside so you can dip into it to go to Starbucks. That's, that's Matthew's savings. Okay. <laughs> All right. Get, get somebody else give me a concept on savings. Why do we save? 
What? A rainy day? I think so. So it's something that we don't do today so that in the future we can use it. Yes? That's savings. A good point. Okay. So savings is that storehouse. Is that right? It's the ant putting it away. Yes, Aaron. And that is a great introduction to the next set of points. So let me get to them because we're going to go right by our time here real quick. How do you resist the calls to spend? And the first point I would offer, and then give me some examples, is you have to limit your exposure. Give me some examples of limiting your exposure. Yes, ma'am. Don't go shopping. You're a good point. If people who go shopping usually come home with stuff, yeah? Yeah? Okay. If you hadn't shopped... Would you have come home with it? Well, okay. Now, and sometimes I think you got to shop. You know, I don't ever shop. But, uh, and then I have to shop, and I get a headache thinking about shopping. Yeah, but once in a while, I, I, I like walking through the store so I can see what's really there. I've never seen it. I, that's, that's cool. But, you know, when I do that, what happens? I need a few things. And that's the point. So the point is, if you want to control your spending, you also have to control all of this input that you get. What is advertising? What's it designed to do? Make you want to get something. Or the other thing is it makes you want to be discontented, right? Yeah, no, if I had that car, I'd feel much better about myself. Yeah, or that, even toothpaste or whatever it is. That's kind of the way we market it. You can have wonderful looking teeth. <laughs> that toothpaste, you know, whatever it is. Okay. Now, what other kinds of exposure is there? Sunday papers? Yes. Magazines? It, the, the truth is, is that they, they, there's clear research that shows that those who spend more time on the Internet, those who spend more time looking at magazines, those who shop, spend more money. You think that's true? It is. So point is, limit your exposure. Number two, cultivate contentment. What was Paul's idea about contentment? Do you remember? Yes, it was. Yes. Remember he talks about, what's the passage there, Lev, about um, I'm content when I have a lot. I'm content when I have a little. I've learned to be content in all things. Huh? Philippians 4. Okay. Great. Uh, 11, and 11 through 13, right around there. Yeah. Take a look at that. You're content. If you're content, what does that mean? Instead of wanting, what do you do? You look at what the Lord's blessed you with, right? Yeah. Now, we talked tonight about some much more unfortunate people in the world. Most of us, did we all eat tonight? I bet we did. And we probably had a choice of what we wanted to eat? Maybe. <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, we really, we are so blessed. Okay. When you begin to think of what the Lord's done for you, then you can be more contented in where you're at. If you spend all your time looking at new cars, you might be discontented pretty soon. If you thank the Lord for taking care of your car and the fact that it still works and it's 10 years old, that's contentment. Okay? It's okay. It works. Okay. Uh, third thing is um, pray for God to provide. That's a point that's, uh, that the author makes, Howard Dayton, 
<coughs> the money, money book, and he says, you know, instead of wanting, ask the Lord to provide your needs. And he said he's been amazed at what the Lord has done. He looks around his house and there's things that this was provided in this way and this was provided in that way. And instead of going out and just getting all this stuff, he said, Lord, take care of this. And he did. And things that he didn't immediately take care of, the, an the answer is, that's okay. Okay, I'm content with what I have. Okay, some thoughts there. So what's the key to all this? Spending. I think it's simple. It's discipline, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes you have to ask the Lord for that. Sometimes, always. You, know? you, you ask the Lord for strength to help you with this. Uh, you have to ask the Lord to resist. If you're particularly weak about something and you know, it, it, it reaches out and takes your money every time, <laughs> ask the Lord for help. He certainly can take care of these everyday things. Um, okay, practical. How do you save? Can you make it automatic? Some of you, if you get paychecks, you can make that go straight to your savings account. If you do that, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to make the decision, how much will I save this time? It's already going to happen. So it's the old Christmas club approach, right? One example. And finally, you've got at the end of the year, you've got a nice fat savings account because every week, Someone's methodically taking $20 and moving it from your checking account over into your savings account. It's one way to save. The point is, automatic is a good thing. You don't have to think about it. You learn to live without it, and there it is, building up. Okay? Um, all right. Um, now, that's pretty quick, but I want to go on to your spending plan because I think that's very, very important. Okay? Spending plan. Why a spending plan? Well, uh, the, the author says, you know, some people don't like budgets. Budgets say, oh, man, you don't want a budget? Sounds very constraining. Whereas spending plan is a proactive way of looking at all, the, all, uh, about, of all of the things, the ways you could spend it, and then deciding where you're going to make those allocations, where you're going to spend it. There are five concepts to the spending plan. The first one is, and you, I hope you're all into this, you've got to start by knowing where all your money goes. So... You can't write a budget unless you know how you're using your money. It's just key. I, can't, I don't know how to say it enough. If you don't get that down, you, you won't have a budget that works because you're going to miss some stuff. Example, you're a student and you regularly go to Starbucks, but you don't ever think of Starbucks as money. Are you going to miss something? You're going to miss a big chunk, aren't you? You are. Okay, so you have to keep track of every last penny, and that takes a while. 30 days probably will cover most things, but that's, that's where it starts. Okay, secondly, draft your spending plan. Now, last week I handed out one, this monthly income expenses. That is a spending plan. Okay. Um, <clears throat> does it have to be this format? And the answer is no, it doesn't have to be this format. What you have to do is capture everything. And if you capture everything, it's okay. Is there a magic formula? And the, and the answer to that is that there are some guidelines that work pretty well, and you'll find those guidelines in this site. Uh, spending plan calculator is a helpful tool. Here, what you can do is you can plug in. Boy, Sam, you got this down. You're just where I was going. <laughs> so plug in your, your gross income. Here it says 45000 uh, If the tithe is 10% and your tax is, the taxes you'll have to figure out. Not, not so hard. Get out last year's income taxes and figure out what your federal tax is and what your, what your state tax is. You plug that in there and then you press calculate budget. And voila, it gives you some recommendations on how it ought to be. Well, what if they don't fall this way? What if your car payment is more expensive than this? And the answer is something else has to give. 
Or you have to consider other things. You have to say, you know, maybe I can use an older car. I'll turn that, that car in that's costing me a lot every month and I'll reduce it. That's reducing expenses. How might you increase your income? Give me some ideas. What? Donate plasma. Okay, actually there's quite a few people here who do that, don't they? How much is plasma worth? What? 50 a week. Two times, about two hours each time. Results in 50 a week. And if you hold hands with your girlfriend or wife, it's $100 a week. Yeah? I'd like to point out that if you get tattoos, you cannot get plasma. Okay. <laughs> All right. You heard the warning right here. <laughs> okay, but that's that's a good illustration. Okay, if you if your if your income is less than your expenses, what can you do? And the answer is you can get another job. You can donate plasma. Okay, what else could you do? What? Sell more. Okay, sell more if you're in sales business. Um, is it helpful sometimes for your wife to get a second job? Maybe, but think hard. And I think in here you'll probably find a calculator and you'll find that sometimes it's so mu there's so much cost in that second job, especially if you have kids. You have to find and pay the babysitter. You have another car you have to have. Now you have to eat, you eat out more. There's social obligations with that other company. And you find out that what you're really making is substantially less than what you're getting paid. Depends on your situation. There's no magic here. I'm just suggesting to you that it isn't always automatic, and I think in America sometimes we chase our tails for the little bit extra, and there's a huge cost there. Cost in terms of kids, family, the Lord's work, all that are costs. And so when you, when you, you in my mind, I would suggest take a look at those expenses again. If you can reduce the expenses and make it work, you're free now to be more productive in the Lord's work, for instance. Okay? If you tie yourself down with lots of things that cost lots of money, the answer is you become a servant to those things. All right. Well, here's a tool for you, and, and there's, a, there's a way to go and approach this. Now, I, listen to me again. Uh, is this the magic formula? The answer is it is not. It, it is helpful to use this. If you use this formula, you'll find all the other tools and the advice works well. It, and these aren't bad categories by any means. Clothes. How would you handle clothes? Well, when our two sons were at home, we had a Sandy Clothes Fund, it was clothes and shoes, okay, a Mark one, there was one for Daniel, one for Joe, and they were all different. I looked at one, I can pass one around here. Here is our budget. This is a budget for, um, let's see, early in my Air Force career, this is 19, or uh, this is from, <laughs> this is April 18th, 83 to 84, that's when this was. It looks like my income was, uh, let's see, my income was $23,000. Looks like my family expenses were about 19000 And I was working on some sort of savings of about 3500 That's what this one was early in my career. Now, how do you keep track of it? And I'll, I'll pass this around. And this shows you one that's really been worked. This was not, this was before automation. Okay, so the first one is Sandy's personal. What's Sandy's personal? Huh? That wasn't your mad money. I think that was probably your, your haircut. And uh, let's see, it says mail file and buffer. 
I don't know what all that is. Haircut, shorts, haircuts, Avon, permanent, barrettes, lip gloss, watch. You get the idea, okay? And what I'm, the reason I'm reading it to you is because I want you to get, you've you got to keep track of it all. Okay, now that's that one. Okay, the next one is, says uh, Sandy Personal again. Here's Sandy's clothes and shoes, $27 a month. And let's see, what did she get here? <laughs> you get the point, okay? <clears throat> the next one is um, Daniel clothes and shoes, $25 a month. And I'm wondering if it's because he had, um, you know, those special shoes with the bars in them or something. All right. Well, he, that's, so that's not the excuse. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and we, mine is $17.50. Uh, I wasn't, didn't want, not quite as needy. <laughs> I'm also a little more boring. <laughs> but whatever, you got to work it out. Okay. There is no magic. You got to, you got to say what's going to work in your house. Okay. And sometimes you have to make adjustments. KT, you're going to add something there. And, and you're right. And what I and what I call that is mad money. It's very important for you to have mad money. And if you don't find it in here somewhere, you, you need to do it. And that's, that's the pocket change that's there. Now, the caution is be careful how much mad money you get. $5 a day of mad money is a lot a year, right? All right. Maybe it's $5 a week. But you're right. That's sort of we, and, and we always had mad money in our budgets. If you see that first page, you're going to see mad money for Mark, mad money for Sandy. And that probably becomes the allowance for the kids. Okay, that same concept. Okay. Now, you may help them a little bit more, but the bottom line is there's a little bit of money in your, in your pocket so that if you really want to have an ice cream on the way home, you can do that. But it's within that budget. It's that allocated amount. Okay? So these, I'll hand these around. Don't lose them. Um, there's Lord's Fun at the back. Um, we, we set aside money. Um, I don't think there's anything sensitive in here, but you understand. <laughs> so you're part of the family. Here it is. Please give them back. But, th but that, that's a concept, okay? This is a longhand approach, and there are many electronic approaches at work. Um, <clears throat> okay, a few more things. You, you put your spending plan, you've got to take and capture all your expenses, then you organize them, you figure out what you need, and you create this spending plan. So monthly income expenses, okay? Uh, that works. But however you do it, on here you'll see longhand. You're studying it way too closely, Mary Ellen. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm a there might be there might be family secrets in there. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So what happens when you you put your spending plan together and then what are you going to do? I bet you need to adjust it. You're going to look at it and say, "Well, this doesn't work. My expenses are more than my income. That's a problem." Then you got to sit down and figure out, okay. Uh, and, and this is team sport. It's honey, we need to work this. Okay? If just dad or just mom do it, someone's going to feel left out. Probably not going to work very well. It is a team sport. You get in there together and you figure this out. Now, I took the lead in our house. Uh, in other homes, it may be the, the wife that takes the lead. No issue with that. I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting an abrogation of the husband being the head of the house. 
He's the head of the house. But some husbands need help in that area. No issue. And that's a good thing. I told you the other two weeks ago that my, in my sister's house, she really runs that. But she's also, you can tell that she follows the lead of her husband, Russ. Okay, but Russ is the artist. He's kind of all over, visionary, whatever. And the one that pays the bills and makes sure it all comes together is Beth. So however it works in your house is okay. Stay within the precepts of Scripture, but there's plenty of room for uh, wonderful ladies who can make this all come together. Okay? All right. Uh, once you get your spending plan, you adjust your spending plan, then you have to s decide on the system. Okay, now, we looked at a few systems. Here's a real basic one. What's this one called? Envelopes. How does the envelope system work? That's what you do. That's exactly right. So one's marked, Mark's clothes. And every month we put $20 in it. And then we, if we want to go buy clothes, we look in there and say, well, it's only $2.45. I guess I can't buy much right now. That is a budgeting system. Very basic. It can work. And, and for some of you, that may be perfect. That's fine. Okay? The next approach is to actually start documenting it like we did on, 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 the, on do it in paper. And the paper methodology works kind of like this. I, I like this six-column paper, or three-column paper. Here's a budget that I wrote for a, a person. And it's, you see it's all blank. I'm getting ready to sit down with that person and help them with that budget. Okay? It, this one happens to be six, but you can get three-column paper. Where do you get it? Staples, no problem. Um, looks like this on the front, some sort of accounting paper. But it doesn't matter, Okay. The point is that you should have something that looks like this. At the top, it should say what it is. Mark's clothes. How much goes in every month? $20 a month. Now you know. The date, the explanation, the in, out, and balance. So first month, I put $20 in. What's the balance? 20 bucks. I go and buy a $10 pair of pants, and I write, 30 September, pair of pants. What happens if it costs extra to alter the pants? You've got to include that. That's part of the cost of the pants. If you don't, you lose that cost, right? And then you say, well, where did my money go? Well, <laughs> it's all explainable. you just got to keep track. What happens if you put it on a credit card? No problem. Bring the credit card home and take those receipts and <laughs> log it in there. Now, here's the issue with the credit card. If you take a credit card to expand your budget, not good. <laughs> if you use credit cards as a way of easy payment, and every month you pay it off, then you're simply using it as cash. Okay? No issue with that if you can do that. But if you can't do that, and you, it's uncontrolled, then you need to do plastic surgery. What's that? Cut the cards up. <laughs> and you can be very successful with no credit cards. A little more challenging, like renting a car. I don't know how to do that without a credit card. So there's certain things that are much more difficult. If I'm traveling, I would much rather have a credit card than have hundreds of dollars of cash in my pocket. Okay, so there are reasons when that can work. So I'm not one that says banish the credit cards. I am saying you have to be very cautious, and if, you, if the credit cards begin to manage you, cut them in half. Do away with them. Okay? But if you can make it be a tool for you, and you make that part of your budgeting process, it can work. Not an issue. All right, a couple things um, that, that you have to think through. 
We took one, my clothes, $20 a month, pretty straightforward. What do you do if you have a car insurance bill and it's, um, let's say, $300 every six months? Right? You're creating that account, okay? And you are halfway through the time. So you're in month number four now, and you know it's due in six months, right? So in three months it's due. How much money should go in there if it's $300 every six months? How much is it a month? $50. You've used, you've already need three months loaded in there, right? So it starts with a balance of 150. Every month you put it in, how much money will you have in there when it's time to pay? The right amount, right? Okay, now, if you use a paper, you can keep all this in your bank account if you wish. And one of the keys to budgeting then is understanding that what you have in the bank account is not the same as what you can spend. Now, it makes sense, right? Because some of that money is really already being used or it needs to be set aside. When you don't do that, you end up with emergencies. Now, go back to that emergency thing. Is that when you, when you didn't get your calculation right for your car insurance? Is that when you dip into your $1,000? Wrong concept. <laughs> That's for true emergencies, <laughs> okay? If you use it that way, then your, your $1,000 quickly disappears. And remember, that $1,000 is just a get-started amount. You want to go from 1000 to one month to three months. Then you've got that emergency thing set aside. Now when you get the call and you have to fly home to your family because of an unexpected illness, now you might want to look at that. Okay? That, that makes some sense. Uh, if you know that's coming up, you'd be writing in your budget, right? If you know, then, then there's no, that's not an emergency. You need to plan for that. Otherwise, you just keep chewing up your emergency savings. Okay? So that's how you handle it. How, how about your salesman? And your sales are cyclic. So you know that if you look at your sales, you know that the first quarter you do very well. But the second, or during the summer, people rarely buy insurance. I don't know if that's true or not, but they're doing other things. I would think in certain cases, sales is pretty poor around Christmas time in certain businesses. People are buying other things. How do you figure that out? And the answer is take your annual salary and divide it by 12. And you can kind of figure out what your monthly is. If you have expenses that are erratic, you can do the same thing. You can figure out what they are over a large period of time so you know how much to set aside each month to make that, make that work. Questions? All right, what's the first step? Take, make sure to keep track of all your expenses. You don't keep track of all your expenses, you can never write a good budget. You'll miss it every time. Now, I, let's get practical for another. What's coming up? Christmas, right? Do you have a budget for your gifts? You should. How much are you going to spend? <laughs> you should do that. We had a sub-budget in our house, and it was a gift budget. Sandy ran the gift budget. When I married Sandy, I told her she was responsible for communications and goodwill with our family. <laughs> she got that duty. She does that very well. <laughs> but the other side of that is that you know, we, we could spend a lot of money in gifts. And you know how that goes. It's a shower now. It's, um, it's, it's birthdays, and every year we got more grandkids and nieces and nephews, and some of them, in my case, I have a sister who lives in Japan, and uh, Victor, no female anymore, right? Pretty tough. So you send a box over there, big box, right? Yeah, because it all goes airmail now. I couldn't believe it when they did that. I need to figure out a shortcut. Victor, if you find one, let me know. 
Yeah, but there's got to be another way to do this. Maybe it's FedEx. I don't know, but we've got to figure this out. The point is, my sister, we can buy $10 blouse, but I bet the, and put a few things in there, and I'll bet, how much does it cost? Send the box. 40 bucks. All right. You think hard, right? Where does that go? In the gift budget. You can't lose that account. If you lose those pieces of money, you're going to blow your budget. And you're going to wonder, what happened? I thought I had this all right. So all the costs have to go there. How about wrapping paper? Spend a lot of money there. Okay, all these things kind of go into these same accounts and you get that right. It's the discipline that matters. Will you get it all right? First time, no. Okay, but as you think through it, you'll forget things too. How many times do you get a haircut, Liz? Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. And how much does it cost? Well, $20. $20. Okay. So for you, that's not too bad. Uh, when I was in the military, I'd get a haircut once every probably four weeks, maybe. And on base, I'd get a haircut for maybe $8, $9. I came to Dubuque, and it's, what, $13 in a tip? My budget changed. Now I snip it at home. <laughs> What was I doing there? Reducing costs, right? Okay, there's a couple ways to do it. And, and those are all concepts, but they're the same concepts, just used over and over again. Okay? Um, I, I don't know if I... I wanted to... There was a piece of homework I wanted to give out, and I seem to have lost or misplaced the... Um, oh, here it is. I wonder if I could get um, one of the ladies to go to Aldi, Walmart, and Hy-Vee and compare prices. And I have a form here. Who would like to do that? You got it. Okay. All right. I'm very interested to see if this really makes a difference. Now, all I would ask when you do that is, is try to get the same quality because you might find if you buy the house brand, you probably want to buy the house brand across all of them, you know. So try to compare. There's no perfect comparisons. But I think we're going to find that there are probably some different costs. Um, you can add, add and edit that list any way you like. If there's things you like, that's fine. I didn't put my favorite. I have to have Jiffy peanut butter. That's mine. Everybody's got a few of those. It's okay. But, uh, you know, generic eggs are okay. <laughs> All right. A couple of final concepts today, and, and we're, we're way over time, and I'm, I'm very sorry, but um, I know. I know. And I <laughs> uh, here's some concepts for, for medications. Um, how many of you take prescription medications? Well, we're doing pretty good. We're doing great. Okay, um, but here's a, here's a thought. You know, oftentimes, a if you take 40 milligrams of something, the the or if you take 20 milligrams, the 40 milligrams often costs only a fraction more than the 20 does. Ask the doctor to prescribe the 40 and cut the pill in half. It works. That's one. However, here's a caveat. Make sure it's okay to do that. For instance, a long-lasting or a, 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 a medication that releases over time, that's not appropriate because it's the coating that dissolves gradually, see, and you're, you're going to wreck that capability of that medication. But there's other medications where it doesn't make a bit of difference. That is one way, that's another way where you can save a little money on medications. Um, always think generic and think basic. What do doctors read? They read the latest, right? They also are influenced by the same, same things we talked about. So they get all this literature and the salesmen come by and say, you need to try this medication. And these medications can be very expensive. You know, $10, $15, $20 a pill is not uncommon at all. 
And, uh, and so that's what they prescribe, the latest and the best. And you look at your doc and say, should we start with the basic one first? And sometimes you'll find amazing relief. You know, one day I went back and tried Tylenol again and said, wow, it works. <laughs> and, and my point is, it's almost like rediscover the basics. And, uh, but that's very important. Sandy, you had a comment, and then we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Right. Great value or whatever they call them and yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And and really, you know, there's lots of talk out there about, you know, you find um you can find a somebody to advocate anything, but scientifically the ingredients are the same. Okay? And the FDA who studied it long and hard uh can't find much difference. Now, in spite of that, my father-in-law testifies that without the, uh, the real stuff, it didn't work for him. Sometimes that happens. We're very complicated. Um, we are not a bunch of Camrys where we're all the same. <laughs> we all, we handle things differently. And that's one of the big challenges in medicine is that the way you metabolize a drug may be very different than another person. That's not right or wrong. That's, uh, that's God's creation and the differences in your, you as a unique individual. All right. Um, that's a whole lot of stuff. I hope you got something out of that. And we'll talk about the next destination and next time, which is um, credit cards. Matthew? I just want to make a real quick announcement for couponing. My sister started a business where basically she teaches people how to coupon. Um, since her husband lost his job like six months ago and is still looking. And they've been saving hundreds and thousands of dollars just couponing. I bought tires today. I bought them at Sam's. Today uh, was the last day for the $70 off a set of Michelin tires. Does that make a difference? Big difference. If you, if you buy, if you shop carefully, you'll be able to get something off on almost anything if you don't insist on today. Okay, now if your tire just blew out, you gotta buy what you gotta buy. I got it, okay? But if you have some time and you proactively think about this, you can do better. Same with airline flights, right? I want to fly tonight to mom's. You're going to pay a lot of money, probably. If you plan your trip, you can probably do quite well. All right, let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings. We are a privileged people. And uh, while we whine and carry on at times, Lord, we thank you for your graciousness to us. And though we are so unthankful, we thank you that you continue to bless us. Father, we recognize tonight that what we have is yours and that all that we have is yours and we are merely, merely, merely the stewards of those things. Help us to use it for your glory. Bless each person here. Give them insights and wisdom as they manage their finances. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us financial freedom and that with that financial freedom, we'll be able to do more for you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.